This is a HeadGum Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake the booties for black girl nerds. Thanks for tuning in to this Black Panther edition of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host, Black Panther is happening, guys. February 16th, it's right around the corner. I am going to give you an inside listen to an experience that I had and Jacqueline. Jacqueline and I had the opportunity to be on the set of Black Panther. We had a chance to interview some of the cast, some of the crew. And in this particular episode, you're going to listen to our experiences, us geeking out a little bit and kind of talking about uh, the movie and and what it was like being on set. Uh, never been on uh, a film set of this magnitude. I've been on film sets. I used to work in the film industry many, many moons ago, but um, nothing of this magnitude, um, nothing as big as a huge Black Panther Marvel film. So it was a incredibly fulfilling and extraordinary experience and I am excited to be able to present this to you. Sit back, relax, enjoy. February 16th. It is right here guys. It is happening. Black Panther's so lit right now. So tune in and enjoy this edition, this Black Panther edition of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring yours truly, Jamie Broadnax and Jacqueline Coley. Enjoy. And just a quick production note, this was recorded a while ago, early last year. So a lot of the information that you hear on this podcast may be some information you already know since several trailers have dropped, several featurettes have been dropped, uh, movie posters. So there's a lot of information reveal about the film. Um, But Overall, you're going to learn a lot of new information based off of our set visit, but just keep in mind that we did record this a while ago. Welcome to this special Black Girl Nerds podcast extra. We are talking about the new Marvel film, Black Panther. All of you guys I know are waiting with bated breath, and Black Panther So Lit continues to set trends on Twitter. And I'm here with Jacqueline. We had the amazing opportunity to visit the set of Black Panther while it was still in production. Production has now wrapped, um, but we're going to talk about what we saw, what we experienced, and share that all with you. So Jacqueline, thank you so much for taking the time to chat about Black Panther with me today. Oh my God, girl. I've been, it's like I've bottled this up for so long. I just want to let it free. Like, I want to talk about it so badly. <laughs> like, I've Me been pregnant too. with emotions. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, it was a fun experience. And, um, 
I, I want to just start from like the very beginning, us getting there. So Black Panther, the most of the film, I, I want to say at least like 80 to 90 percent of the film was uh, filmed in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I believe there were parts that were filmed in South Korea. Yeah. Um, so we were in Atlanta on the Silver Cup Studios set. And let's just talk about that first day. I know it was very much like a little bit like Fort Knox, like we had to sign releases. Girl. Well, <laughs> not only that, like not to like backtrack a little bit more, but just first of all, like big ups to Disney because we I went yes. with a separate outlet, but we were both there and big ups to them to making sure that we were there because yes. this wasn't a very small group of folks that were there. This was not a large um, segment of the media press to begin with. Like I know people who were like, you got to go to that, you know, like on the reels. It was it was very great for them to give us that opportunity. But yeah, man. And then once we got it, like, yeah, you're right. Like it was very Fort Knoxy. Like they were like, you can't tell anyone that you're going to this. You sign NDAs. Like they, they usher you around. You have this badge on that says mm-hmm. press. So that way people know when you walk to places like, like we had escorts to go get water. Do you remember that? Yeah, like, <laughs> I do remember that. Like it was, it was serious. They, they wanted to keep everybody in line and keep track of everybody who's there. Yeah. And um, I got to admit, like, like you mentioned, it was a very small group of press. Um, I felt like a little imposter syndrome because mm-hmm. you know, black girl nerds, like you say, we're a small yet mighty publication. And um, being in the room with some pretty big uh, mainstream outlets, you know, it, it was it was pretty intimidating. But I, I am very thankful to Disney that they decided to give us the opportunity to to be a part of the press, to be able to share this experience with our readers, with our listeners. And uh, we, we've got a lot to share with you. Oh, my God, girl. Yes. And to that <laughs> point, which is really funny, just to, again, just do that. So we know things that we're about to tell you now that we've known. Because when did this happen? November of 2016? Or when, when did we go? Like, I need Oh, to no. Remember. We went in February. February. Sorry. February. February. Sorry. Sorry. I had the wrong 2017. 2017. Sorry. <laughs> I knew it was a while ago. You have to pardon me. I'm bad with that kind of stuff. But when we went, it's been a while from even now. And this is going to be yeah. a while before we're even able to release it. And what's really funny is, like, people talking about things about the movie. And you just, like, want to sit there with, like, your unimpressed gift to be like known this <laughs> for a while but i can't say anything <laughs> I know. people and things it's so hard it, it so is hard. but um but yeah so like i said they they've kept us very secretive but this will go out after we get the high sign that we can talk about it and yeah man like just coming on the set like i said it that day it's like this is my star wars like i love star wars okay. but this movie is like everything and like Everything that you maybe are thinking right now about the film is true. Like walking on set, there are black people in front of and behind the camera of this huge Marvel movie, you know? Yes. first line producer who was our person there there's a black woman you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there are women and people of color in positions throughout this film everywhere. Both This movie was so black, y'all. <laughs> it was so black. Like, yeah. I mean, like you said, everybody in, you know, the below the line positions in production to the above the line uh, positions. And we, we talked to Nate Moore. And yes. um, of course, Ryan Coogler was there as the director. We did not get a chance to talk to him. But we saw um, him. But we but saw, we saw him. him. Yes, yes, we saw right. him. Um, 
But yeah, I, I remember the the first day on set, we we get our badges, and our badges, um, you know, identified us as press, of course. But it did not say Black Panther on the badge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It actually said Motherland, yep. which is the working title of Black Panther, which was mm-hmm. pretty pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, I, and, and I know they do that for a lot of films. They yes. have like the working title. Um, I guess I don't know. Is that like an incognito way to? <laughs> I mean, to identify because a film? yeah, like if, for example, it's I'm so glad you brought it up because my driver, um, you know, because first of all, let's talk about it. They send a car for you <laughs> to come pick you up at the airport and take you to the that set. Was awesome. Yeah, like, so bougie. Like that it's, Disney money, y'all. It's it's Disney money. <laughs> So that's really cool. And the the driver was like, are you here for Motherland? And I was like, no, nah, I'm here for Black Panther. Like, all like, excuse me. I don't know what little thing <laughs> you're talking about. But Motherland, I'm here for, what is that? I'm here for Black Panther. Cool coming to America? What in the world? <laughs> and then it finally clicked for me. I was like, oh, that's the working title. And that's the main reason why they do that, because they have to put something down for everything. Because you can't just say, I'm here for the Disney movie in Atlanta, because everything was filming there like that's the other thing stranger things was film was filming like right next door to us to where like their cast members like remember when we saw renona wider like this is Mm -hmm. like two days maybe after the sag awards thing and she's just out there being winona again (laughs) (laughs) and i have to correct myself um i said silver cup studios it was actually screen gems where this was being filmed so i got my studios mixed up silver cup i think is in Long Island City, New York. Um, but we went. We were there. <laughs> but yeah, we were at Screen Gems um, in Atlanta. Nice. So yeah, so we were inside one of the many studios that are at Screen Gems. Um, myself, Jacqueline, and other members of the press. We were kind of like in a round table kind of setting, and they brought in one crew member after the other. Our very first interview was with producer Nate Moore. So let's talk about that experience. First of all, like bringing in the black producer, like that moment right there just made me so happy because this is- I didn't know he was black until actually like a couple of days prior to getting the word that I was going to be on this set visit that he was (laughs) black. I had no idea. So I knew that he was black, but only reason why I knew he was black was because of the Black Panther stuff. Because if you looked when they were talking about Ryan and all of that fun stuff, that was the only reason why I knew. And he's like a light-skinned like brother, and he's like super young, too. Mm-hmm, yeah. But Civil War was what kind of catapulted him, because he was kind of one of the lower-rung producers, and Civil War was when he became like an EP, which means like, you know, you're the guy in charge in charge, rather yeah. than just like one of the people that's kind of like just carrying out orders. And I think the success of that film is one of the reasons why they felt comfortable having him be in charge on this. And so, yeah, no, I had read one thing on him because I think it was just saying like, you know, Civil War has, you know, a black producer at the helm. Like, but I didn't know anything. You were doing your research, like what you're supposed to do. (laughs) No, no, no. This was just (laughs) random article where I was just like, I honestly just didn't think they had any black producers at Marvel. So I was pleasantly surprised. I was was shocked. I was just like, wow. So we're really doing this. Like, yeah, of course, you know who the director is. Of course, you know, you know, who our front and center is cast. But when you think about producers, I mean, I hate to say it. I always think of it's going to be a white dude. So I was very pleasantly surprised that um, they have a black man that's doing uh, the producing, which is very important because he had some very 
interesting conversations with us with respect to the comic book and how they yes. wanted to change certain narratives from the comic to the live action film. Like, yeah. there's this very um, archaic racial trope about um, the character. I think it's um, Man Age. Man yeah, Mumbaku. Yeah. Mumbaku. Yeah. And that he didn't want to um, have that in the film. So. I think that's important because if it was somebody else, um, I think that they would probably have tried to do that in some way where... And then um, just said, well, this is in the comics. Mm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, like, things like that he paid attention to because, you know, obviously as a person of color yourself, you're going to recognize that those are very tropey, that there's a lot of uh, racial stereotypes behind those things that offend a lot of us. So um, I'm just glad that he acknowledge that yeah no matter how good the character ends up being if you base it off of this problem it's Mm -hmm. going to cause more problems and i think it's funny when he was explaining that he very much talked about how they learned from dr strange which you know the yeah the marvel producer trust if you will there's kevin feige and then there's probably about five or six other main marvel producers mostly because kevin feige can't be on every single set i mean like because they had just started filming infinity war while we're there for black panther you know Mm -hmm. so they have to you know have your lieutenants or generals as it will and that trust of producers, um, I think, are, like I said, you know, him being now a more prominent voice in that room, that trust of producers is stronger. Because, you know, when they were probably, you know, going through Doctor Strange casting, he he wasn't the man yet. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, he was still working through becoming one of the one of the key guys and i love that like his ascendancy has helped us have a better black panther film because he even talked about basically how you know he went after ryan like like they saw creed and he was like yeah let's go (laughs) i i really wanted to ask him about well then how did the whole ava thing go then you know what i mean like yeah like was he involved before that happened or did he get involved after it makes it sound to me like he may have gotten involved with that after because they were talking to her really early on like before really they super early. Yeah. yeah so i don't know if she he was involved in that but i'm real curious if that was like somebody but if he was involved with civil war then maybe he was involved with black panther since the beginning maybe he was but i mean like involved with choosing the choosing the director oh, the, the choosing part yeah, yeah because I, I mean yeah, he's part of the producer dra- brain trust, but was he assigned already? I mean, probably, I guess, now that I think about it. But I just wonder, like... What it, happened in that room? What happened? Yeah. Because he said he immediately went after Ryan, right? So yeah. was he able to immediately go after Ryan after Ava and that fell apart? Or was yeah. he, like, always gunning for Ryan and then somebody was like, no, let's try this? Right. I mean, there was so much speculation about Ava. And I mean, there's there's still talk of why she decided not to take on uh, the role of director. But um, I think Ryan is a great fit. I'm a huge fan of his, um, both professionally and personally. Ryan Coogler, for those of you that don't know, attended our very first Black Girl Nerds of Color meetup in San Diego Mm -hmm. over at Comic-Con. So, um, yeah, I asked him, hey, because we were actually on a panel together, and I asked Ryan, hey, uh, we're doing a meetup afterwards. You want to come? And he was like, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, I was not expecting you to say that. Yeah, (laughs) Um, dude. Yeah, so he was was chilling with us, and um, he's just such a humble and sweet 
person and I'm so happy for his success. I mean, now I can't touch him with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he grew so up it, a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Like, he grew gonna, up a little bit. Like, yeah. yeah, you probably won't see us on a panel anytime soon <laughs> together. But um, it was great to have that experience and to just be able to hang out with him and, and even talk about comics. Like we were talking about comic books and stuff like that. So um, yes, very happy for Ryan's success and the direction of where Black Panther is going. Um, and Nate Moore, just to kind of touch on what you said about Doctor Strange, you know, he did, in fact, reveal that Marvel did make a mistake with that movie. And I, I'm glad that he acknowledged that because social media, you know, social media gets a lot of flack for things. But look, I think that we are at the forefront of something great when it comes to criticism. Mm -hmm. uh, because if Twitter was not around, if Facebook wasn't around, I think Doctor Strange and any other movies that do these whitewashing, um, whitewashing casting, it, it, it gets ignored. It gets pulled to the wayside. And the yep. fact that people put a magnet, um, excuse me, the fact that people put a microscope on that and really scrutinized it and, you know, called it out as, as what it is, whitewashing mm -hmm. and the marginalization of Asian American actors, um, it's good that Marvel was like, you know what? We did something wrong. We're going to take a step back. We're going to do better. And yeah. Nate Moore did, in fact, acknowledge that. So um, that was very um, inspiring. And, and, and it was a relief to hear that Marvel is actually going in the right direction. And, and hopefully with... Iron Fist, <clears throat> they'll, they'll do the same thing. <laughs> I will say this, though, too, which is really funny, too, to even bring more to that, is he admitted that they were trying to fix a problem and they made a bigger one. Because one thing I think that, unfortunately, I forget the guy's name, but I think he's the screenwriter. He went on and made some, like explanation of the casting that was basically like i don't know like the gif where you've got like the different like <laughs> like the equations together and you're just staring at it confused <laughs> that was what it's like him explaining why they chose tilda swinton and mm -hmm. i get what they were trying to do the ancient one character from what he is in the comics is not what you necessarily want as far as a modern day depiction of an asian person yes right. it's tropey with Fu Manchu and all of these things, right? Mm -hmm. Get it. I get it. However, to then just say, okay, well, we're going to just do something that's completely different and has no real justification or understanding mm -hmm. is even worse. You know what I mean? And I and then, then um, you know, I remember the um, actually people being like, well, no one got mad when Baron Mordo. It's like, well, because Baron Mordo can be that. He wasn't born there. He came there like someone else. So really, that but makes I, sense. I think it's a different, but also it's different when, because that's something different. That's not whitewashing. Yes. That's race bending. Yes. And I think race bending is a lot different than whitewashing because we're dealing with um, switching a marginalized person yes. for another marginalized person or switching a white character for a marginalized person. Yes. But whitewashing where white people see themselves in everything. Yeah when you replace it with someone who never sees themselves in anything that don't get to see themselves reflected in different genres and specifically speaking like, you know, science fiction and, and fantasy uh, genres and things like Marvel um, and Black Panther and all of this. I just think that it's important that um, people understand the difference between what race bending represents and what whitewashing represents. Yep. And whitewashing is a lot more atrocious 
to folks that don't get to see themselves reflected in television and film um, than people of color that get an opportunity to play a role that's been previously played by a white person. I mean, yes, that is the the that is the like tagline top on everybody's list. It's like we need to see more of ourselves in these roles. I think the things that they were missing was just the idea that like, well, you know, it is a woman. I'm like, mm, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> it's like right, you don't right. just it's get like they to took it. a step forward with casting a woman, but then they took a really big step, step back, back by making her white. So yeah. um, anyway, so yeah, Nate Moore touched on that. And then who was next after Nate um, coming in? Was it um, Andy Circus? Yep. Andy was next, and he was awesome. <laughs> I know. You're Andy Circus. Oh my God. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, I love the entire cast, and I'm like so yeah. happy or whatever. And maybe it's because I just feel a distance from Andy Circus and, and Martin Freeman. Like, I never thought I would meet, interview, do anything with them. Like, I hate mm-hmm. to say it. Like, they both. Yeah, exist in these worlds of They're extraordinary fiction. actors. Yeah, yeah, and way so, out of everybody's league. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it was crazy just to be in the same room with them. So yeah, I was fangirling out on the inside, and I respect him as like a filmmaker because he's like a serious yes. like director writer. Like he's created basically an entire genre of acting and like yes. perfected it. Ugh, I think you were the only member of press in the room that actually asked him a question about his directing work, <laughs> which I think is very impressive because <laughs> I have a feeling that nobody else in the room knew about that. Yeah, um, and he he, he kind of like, you know, perked up a little bit when you asked that question. So yeah. um, kudos to you. And and Andy, when he walked in the room, he was in full makeup. So yep, he yep. had the scar on his face and he was kind of bloodied up. Um, I think this was right after there's an interrogation scene that takes mm-hmm. place. Or so should, I, you know, we never know, but looks yeah. like it will. <laughs> yeah, and we don't know much about the film, by the way. We just was there for that one day on the set. Um, but yeah, he, he gets beat up pretty pretty badly. Well, at least it looks like he does. Oh, um, And no yeah, we, we see him in his, his full costume and attire in that part. Yeah, I was just going to say, full costume and attire, but I almost forgot, except for one of his arms. One of his arms did not have anything on it. Like, perhaps he was wearing one of those um, CGI gloves that they give people. Because, like, I don't know if you've seen the behind the scenes of Mad Max, but, like, for that, Charlize wore a green, like, long sleeve glove. Mm -hmm. And that's how they they edited out later. His hands look suspiciously free of makeup. That's all I will say. Yeah, so if you've read the comics, if you know anything about Ulysses' claw, then he kind of has a feeling as to what's going to happen in this movie, which is, it's exciting. It's exciting to see what's yes. going to unfold with this character. Um, so yeah, Andy Serkis was awesome. That's, he definitely, that's um, yeah, he talked about the fact that he's South African too, which I think if we look at yes. what this story is going to bring, and that was his kind of pull, making him like an Africanist South African. And so the subject subjugation of black people as part of that character's almost like DNA being, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like from, mm-hmm. from a certain aspect of his origin, I thought was so awesome. Like Ulysses Claw in the comics, I don't know if they've ever referenced that. I, I didn't think so anyway, but having that in the film and obviously in this, I think is going to bring just a total 
extra complexity to the character. They reference it in um, the Black Panther animated series, okay. which um, I actually asked Andy about that as well. Like, you know, when you did your research for the role, what did you think about, um, or did you look at things like the Black Panther animated series? And mm-hmm. he didn't really tell us too much. He was being very coy in the interview, which yes. truth they, be told, everybody was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they it's interesting. Were. They all they all had like a sheet in front of them of <laughs> things that they aren't supposed to talk about so um some actors were better at it than others we'll we'll talk a little bit more about michael b jordan um (laughs) but it was just it was really cool to um you know see them kind of dodge the questions and and see their reactions to it so andy was very good at you know giving us just enough information um to answer our questions but not too much but we get a sense if you if you kind of connect the dots a little bit you you figure out what's going to be happening and and i think for sure we're going to see that vibranium powered sonic converter that we were kind of expecting to see Mm -hmm. um in ultron you know because his arm was chopped off in ultron so uh yeah yeah Let's, let's make it happen. <laughs> yeah. I will also say as far as the, them being coy, I think if you look at the actors, and we'll get to all the ones that we saw, but all of the actors who have been in larger properties previously to this, um, mm-hmm. meaning, you know, Lord of the Rings or, you know, Star Wars or, you know, Walking Dead, these are all properties where you maybe don't necessarily get to say everything. Um, I right. think those people are a little bit more media trained, and I think it, it came it came out a lot it more did. than that yeah it did it did so. so i think after andy was martin freeman girl yes <laughs> <laughs> you have a thing for martin freeman so i'll let you go first on this girl i do i love that british man so much <laughs> like in a weird like yeah he's like a lot older but i've had a crush on him since he was tim on the office and just he's just getting hotter with age like i don't know <laughs> It's one of those, like, whatever. Like, of course, Michael B. Jordan and Chadwick Boseman. Like, I should be like, you know, if anybody's going to make me thirsty, it's them. But if you want to know the truth, Freeman, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The only thing was off-putting was he comes out and he sits down and he's looking real chill or whatever. Mm -hmm. He's doing his American accent the whole time, which is the whole time he was doing his American accent, which is cool because they were actually filming scenes in between us doing these interviews. They were pulling the actors from the set while they had time, you know, in between scenes to do these interviews. So right after the interview was done, he got thrown right back onto set to to finish out his scenes. So, yeah, it totally made sense why he just decided to stay method and keep that American accent. But it was still cool. Like, it's like it was cool to see are you. Yes. <laughs> well, because this is the best of it. He says British words because he's talking like himself, like bits and, you know, it's like uh, it's on or it's all right. Like these are like British colloquialisms, but he's mm-hmm. saying them in his American accent. And it's just like <laughs> so trippy, but I still loved it. Like and I had a good exchange with him and I was hoping he would say this, but the way he said it was just so great. So I asked him, you know, because he's done a lot right he's done the hobbit he's done sherlock and sherlock is filmed like a large film so it's like what's different and he was just like honestly like there's more black people and i was like okay (laughs) but this is the thing and then he expounds upon it in a way that he says he's like look you know you know i'm doing bbc stuff and we don't have that level of diversity that brings a thing to this 
to the soul. It's like he said, the soul of this film is different and better in a lot of different ways. And this guy's been on pretty much every major Marvel set because, I mean, he mm. did, you know, he was an Ultron. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I, I really... I really love that his character has seen a lot of these different sets and having Ryan and he specifically called out Ryan's direction and how he directs and how he sort of put all these pieces together as a part that makes it different for him. And I was, yeah, I was, I fangirled out on my insides. Cause it's him. it's exciting. Um, Cause you know, most of us do remember Everett K Ross from civil war and um, it was exciting to know that his character has a very important role in this film. Because yes. if uh, you've read the any of the Black Panther comics, um, I'm a huge fan of the Christopher Priest run. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the Christopher Priest run, Everett K. Ross is kind of like the center. Uh, well, yeah, you could say it. He's kind of the centered character. He's the mm-hmm. one that delivers the narrative of T'Challa's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to Nate Moore, one of my questions I asked him was, you know, is this going to be based off of any specific run of uh, Black Panther? And he did um, explicitly say that it is based off of Christopher Priest's run, which uh, arguably is the better or actually the best run of Black Panther to date. So that's very exciting to know. And um, I'll talk a little bit more about the other characters in relation to Christopher Priest's uh, Black Panther. But yeah, seeing Everett K. Ross, kind of like this funny, cheeky character, I, I think he's going to pretty much be a lot of what we saw in the comics kind of a bit of comic relief for T'Challa because T'Challa is very stoic very serious and um Everett's you know a bit of a clown sometimes so yeah and he actually touched on that too but he touched on it in a way that I thought was really interesting um he touched on it that he doesn't necessarily want to be the bumbling white guy and right. although he is going to be comedic and he's definitely going to add a little bit of levity he wants to make sure it's like this guy's pretty high up. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he, 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 like, I think he even said it like this, like he runs some shit. So he's right. not going to be completely inept. And to his point, I mean, I hate to say it transversely. I think that's fighting a stereotype of the, like, let me be the geeky white guy in the room full of black people. I mm. think he's yeah. fighting that stereotype a little bit. And I'm like, you know what? That I think is really good because when we talk about tropes and we talk about stereotyping, obviously minority and marginalized people, but there's something to be said for how we stereotype people that interact with it. There's a, there's a thing Mm. there. You know what I mean? Like, I think we need to be fair all the way around. And I think that to me says something because yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, Everett K. Ross, I think he's going to be funny and he's definitely probably going to mess some things up. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think he's also maybe going to show that, Hey, I can see through the paint. Like I know exactly what may be going on underneath here, maybe a little bit later than some people, but I'm, I'm going to figure it out. Yep. Yep. Very true. So yeah, I'm very excited to see what Martin will bring to the table in Black Panther. So after Martin, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this all from memory. I think it was Lupita or was it Chadwick? Uh, I think it was Lupita that came next because I think it was like, Chadwick and then Michael were the very end, if I remember. Okay, yeah. So, so. yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So, Lupita Nyongo. Actually, no, let's go back. It wasn't um, Lupita, it was Hannah Bleacher. Oh, yeah, that's right. We took the break and we did the two Hannah and Ruth. Yep, that's right. We did Hannah and Ruth. So, okay. 
So they moved us to another room um, on the Screen Gems lot, and this was the production design room, if you will. Mm-hmm. This was Hannah's headquarters. <laughs> so yes. we go inside, and they show us this beautiful artwork of all of the designs for the set, um, both external pieces, internal pieces. So we get to see what T'Challa's ship looks like. We get to see um, what his headquarters look like. We get to see what the Golden City looks like. Um, And every piece of art was beautiful. And if you guys are currently reading the coats and, um, oh crap, what's his name? Still Freeze. Brian Still Freeze is um, Black Panther. Pretty much Still Freeze's artwork looks a lot like these set design pieces. So it tells me that they drew from that comic um, to come up with the concept art for Black Panther, which is so exciting because that art is so beautiful. And it's Afrofuturistic, which... Hannah very much said in her interview that that was what they were going for. So um, Hannah, by the way, if you don't know who she is, she's pretty much worked on everything that Ryan Coogler has been involved in. So she worked on Creed. She worked on Fruitvale Station. Um, She's also... Hello, she did Beyonce's Lemonade. (laughs) So if you are a fan of Lemonade and any of the uh, design concepts and the art that was behind that video film then you are definitely going to love Black Panther. Yes, girl. And of course, Jamie, I'm going to go ahead and call her out, was the one that was like, because again, on these set visits, you kind of <laughs> need to stick to the film, right? Like, you, you, they don't want you being like, hey, you know, Michael, let's talk about Creed 2, right? Even though we would want to. Right. But Jamie was like, listen, my readers will literally lose it if I don't at least ask you about Lemonade. <laughs> and wait, though, like her response was really surprising. Like we, like I think you kind of asked it as kind of a throwaway just to get her to talk a little bit maybe about Beyonce and her work on it. But mm-hmm. she said that there was a lot between the two, and mm-hmm. I don't remember her exact response. If you can remember exactly what she said as far as how they related to each other. Oh gosh! So I'm gonna have to probably pull up my article. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she. I think it was about the women empowerment too, and like mm-hmm. the idea because uh, we're we're about to talk. To, we're about to talk about how we talked to the two main female characters that we got a chance to talk to about. But one thing she did say was um, that stylized version of black people from a time period. Mm-hmm. I remember her saying that was definitely something that she drew on, and then just black women in a a point of power because the Dora Milaje and just kind of how she has set them up from a production standpoint is very like Beyonce with her minions kind of thing from what I can gather. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing um, this horribly. No, no, actually this is on point. So yeah, exactly what you said. And what I even mentioned earlier, you know, Hannah's words were that, they wanted to go with Afrofuturism. Like that was the influence behind a lot of the looks from not only um, the set design, but even the attire, which we'll talk a little bit more um, with respect to Ruth's interview. But uh, she wanted to make sure that the story was drawing from those elements. And those very elements was used in Lemonade. So she mm-hmm. does say that as well. So um, it, it's just so exciting to see a little bit of the work of Lemonade being um, integrated in the work of Black Panther. So, oh. so Black. Like, this is why it's so important for us to, you know, be behind the scenes of yeah. uh, movies like this, because, 
you know, you know that it's going to be done right. You know it's going to be done well and it's going to be done, um, you know, with some sensitivity to um, our culture and, and, and who we are as people of color. So I'm just excited that everybody involved in this are so super talented and black and just <laughs> amazing yeah. in a lot of different ways. And also um, Hannah mentioned too that um, with the Golden City, um, which is the very wealthy city um, within Wakanda, that it's going to be very Afropunk. Yes. So we've got some Afropunk elements as well for you Afropunk fans out there. Um, so I, I just think it's, it's I'm so excited. I just, I can't, I, I don't have words, but um, we're, we're going to see a lot. There's a lot to unpack in watching this film. I think, too, with Hannah, it's like, well, first of all, I, I can't, like, not mention this credit for her. She also did the production design on Moonlight, which if you yes. didn't, if you did it, yes. like, like, think about how much light and color influenced that film with Barry Landry as far as how he lit it and how he made it look. And then think about how the production design with that had to, like, coincide together. You mm-hmm. know, like, these are very practical in the sense of like everyday sets and they had to make them look extraordinary and they did that solely with production design and lighting like mm-hmm. woman's a freaking genius but um she really is she really is so she's drawing from concepts of like um old african rituals to yes. new contemporary stuff which that is wakanda that yeah really is wakanda I would just say that, you know, one of the things that I took from just talking to her, she said that one of the hardest things for her to maybe get the feel for was the throne room. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of telling because uh, Daniel Kaluuya said recently that it's going to be like Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. And I do think that's similar, but I don't think it's 100% accurate. I do think the spy espionage James Bondy aspect of it. Like, I really feel like this is going to be our black James Bond. Like, let's call it I like think, it is. I think if anything, it will look like Game of Thrones. You know, there's okay. parts of Westeros, like, um, there's the Summer Isles, and then there's Winterfell. So we get those elements of winter. I don't know yes. what the name of that area is in um, Wakanda, but um, but there's an area where, you know, there's snow-capped mountains, and then yes. we've got the Golden City. So I think those elements, the way it looks aesthetically, does look like Game of Thrones. But yeah, in terms of story and narrative, nothing like Game of Thrones. Let's hope not, because then a lot of our faves are going to get killed. <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, I do think there's going to be some palace intrigue, obviously, but yeah, whatever. It's all speculation at this point, but yeah, I just want the movie to happen now. Yeah. I just want it to happen now. Like Me- this is not so far away. <laughs> <laughs> and, and speaking of great looks, we have Ruth Carter. She's the costume yes. designer. So we talked with her. So they moved us out of Hannah's, headquarters and back into the set where we initially were with Nate and Andy and Martin. And she brought out her, I don't know, is it like the costume Bible? Like it was this yeah. huge Yeah, it's the costuming book. Yeah. Costuming with, book um, with all of the the art um, or all of the costume designs, I should say, for the characters, the lead characters in the film. And it was, it was gorgeous. Yeah. And I would say, though, too, like she... Uh, well, first of all, there'd be like points where she would flip to a page and be like, nope, can't see that. Right. <laughs> so like the costume would give too much away. Yeah. Um, but I would say though too, like she very much talked about how each costume, as far as the characters were concerned, dictated 
their status because this is a royal house Mm -hmm. this is like a lineage of such and so because of that everyone's costume kind of says who they are and their status and and how she was detailed in that and then something that they also were going to do which is that you know the dormelage if you had a shaved head you were of higher rank like that was going to be a part of it because like florence who did the great line from Civil War, move or you will be moved. Like, you know, she was shaved and then they were going to do deny shaved and then she came back and said, but then Ryan just wanted them all shaved so then we just moved on. I got, I got Florence and deny mixed up because we actually watched um, some dailies of, well, actually it was being filmed at the same time. So we were actually mm-hmm. watching a scene with Martin Freeman and Chadwick and Denai, but we didn't see Denai's face. We only saw the back of her head, and I thought it was Florence Kasumba because I didn't yes. know that Denai's head is actually shaved in the yes. movie. So yeah. I was just like, oh, that's Florence. And they were like, no, that's Denai. I was like, well, let's Ooh. also talk about the um actuallys of that day. <laughs> I'm just going to make it a real quick thing because for the most part, everyone there was amazing, but we did have a couple of um actuallys. And if you got the list of who was there, you wouldn't need to figure it out. And I really was just like, really, dude? Yeah. (laughs) Like you're going to um actually another journalist sitting in front of you on something that like, don't get me wrong. We misspeak like earlier, like it happens, like whatever. I'm fucking old so i may misspeak <laughs> on something like i said uh, ultron i meant to say civil war well, they, like we were getting well actually on things that didn't need to be well actually so I'm it was so like they were serious. adding they were adding their commentary to conversations that we were having that really didn't need to have all of that that, that didn't have anything to do with them like yeah. me and you were talking to each other and we were getting um actually by like a voice commentary from someone that i'm like i don't know you yeah and it was all women because it was us two and then there was another woman journalist and we we were talking about comics and yes. then that's when this dude bro well actually and, us and we were just yes. like you're not in, in the conversation like, and he mm-hmm. didn't really correct us he just added his well you know well, in no. this in the comics and i'm just like dude i read comics dude. all the time i have a comic book podcast like do not well actually me <laughs> especially when it comes to black panther i probably know way more than you do like you probably just did your research just because you were on this set visit so <laughs> I've been reading Black Panther for years. (laughs) You know what the shitty thing is? Is that you have to like put that behind it. I don't need to. You know what? Fuck it. Let me be wrong. Just for principle's sake. Because y'all are wrong (laughs) all the time and no one says anything to you. Like I just, I just get so done with that. And I'm sure he's like a nice person or whatever. Because like Mm. whatevs. But but transversely, I will also add, it's like, you know, because we met Ahmad from IGN and like we met some really great people that day too so don't feel like it was all that but the fact that that happened there was Mm -hmm. like that was when when I was like you know you talk about imposter syndrome it's like I don't even feel imposter syndrome I definitely feel the judgment of others because for a lot of those outlets they've seen each other at different things because they get invited to everything right Right, and this was the first thing that we kind of got invited to so yeah it is like your first one and it makes it really special and awesome for us but that also makes people look at you being like 
mm, you ain't never gonna be back. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I hate to say it like that. And no, you're right. You're right. And, and I think that's what we need to, I, I mean, myself as well, need to get used to because the imposter syndrome is real. And I think for all of us out here who are budding journalists, we're going to feel that when we get invited to big opportunities like that. It's only natural. But it was kind of disappointing. And of course, I'm not going to name names, but there were outlets out there that you thought would probably align with yours that just kind of was like, well, why isn't so-and-so here? And looking Girl, over at me yes. going... Okay, so like, it's just no, like, I'm not going to name names, but let's just go ahead and say me and Jamie are sitting there, two <laughs> fairly new people. And imagine if they were like, why aren't Cindy and Ashley here? Yeah. And just staring at us like, bitch, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, it is so awful. But, you know, it's like the thing I experience in a lot of different things. But I'm not going to say anything to you because... I feel, as far as we're concerned, to the people that make the decisions and based off of the work that you do and we do, we're doing the right things. And that's all you can really do because yeah. there will always be that. And so I don't let any of that affect how I'm going to do the gig. Um, it is just disheartening. And you know what? Skin folk ain't kin folk, too. That's Let's true. Keep that real. Oh, you know what preach. I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, look, you know, it. It, it makes a difference when you are allowing these conversations to be made on social media. You know, the fact that we help trend hashtags like Black Panther so lit. Folks oh, at Disney geez. see that, you know, they yeah, see the engagement with the audience. And this is direct feedback that I got from, you know, yes. Disney um representative is that the engagement that we do on social media, the um, topics that we write about on the website, the conversations that we have on the podcast, um, this is important. This is what uh, these folks are saying. So it's not all about like the old data journalism of the past where you just write an editorial and it's published in a magazine or um, published on the web and then that's your coverage. Like these folks are looking for more and they're, they're looking for uh, people that are influencers in some capacity. So if yes. you are able to trend a hashtag, okay, we want to talk to you guys because yes. you're obviously, you know, creating something that's allowing other people to uh, garner interests and and they're also sharing the word on their respective outlets so we we want to talk to you guys and and i think that's in large part why bgn was there so haters keep hating because it's going to continue yeah <laughs> we're going to yeah, continue yeah. covering more films and and yes. more tv shows and and the like um so just be prepared yeah, I think the other thing, too, with that is, like, I asked um, every single person um, pretty much about Black Panther So Lit. And the thing I really loved is, one, not only did they see it, but this is scary for them. Imagine yeah. you're cast and you have this pressure or you're the producer and you have this pressure to, you know produce this thing that so many people have been waiting for and have literally built their lives like if you talk to 22 year old me and say do you think you'll ever see a black panther movie i would have laughed at right. you like mm -hmm. like maybe a tv show on bet like you know what i mean because i think that would have probably been before the animated series had come out you know like yep. let's be real but now this is a reality. So that's a huge amount of pressure. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of moving parts and hundreds of millions of dollars to make a bad movie. So mm -hmm. to make a good one, you know they feel that pressure. And especially when you talk about casting. Look at how when people announce a casting of some films, people just lose their minds and are just like, this is awful! You know what I mean? <laughs> like, 
Imagine you know that your name is about to be announced to be in Black Panther and it's going to go one of two ways. People are going to love it or hate it. And then to get that relief of like, oh, people like it. And oh, no, 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 people really like it. And they're trending hashtags for days talking about how amazing this film is just on the concept of who they've put in it. Like that's awesome. And I, I really felt that from the cast and from the producers that like, regardless of whatever else happens, they at least know people are happy with what they've seen and heard so far. And that hasn't stopped from our set visit to now because other stuff has come out and more Mm -hmm. news has come out. And it's not, there hasn't been that moment where you're like, really? Like there's only been a lot of great positivity. And I just, I'm I'm happy for the filmmakers on that because nobody knows if the film's going to be good until we sit down to see it. Mm -hmm. But everything they've done up until this point is just, Tits. Like it's awesome. I mean, <laughs> I've never seen um, a comic book movie talked about so much months and months before its yes. production has even started. Months and months before production has ended, um, people talk about Black Panther like it's going to be coming out next week, and the yes. buzz around this film is just extraordinary. And I remember years ago on Twitter having conversations about Black Panther and how Stan Lee wanted this to be made like ten years ago, and. And uh, even at one point, like Wesley Snipes wanted to play T'Challa. Like, I remember having these conversations Mm -hmm. and thinking, you know, it's probably not going to happen anytime soon, but it's fun to talk about it. But the fact that it's actually happening, the fact that, you know, we got a chance to go on the set and see this being filmed and talk with the actors behind it. It's just, I, I'm still blown away. Like, I, it, it feels very surreal to be in a space um, where we are a part of this um, and, and it's an honor and it's a privilege and I'm just so excited for everyone and and every time I mention Black Panther people get excited so um, yes. I think one of my most retweeted tweets of all time was when I tweeted Black Panther so lit we're all going to be in the movie theater like and it's got the gif of yeah. Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne, Fishburne and the yeah. Blackish like in the theater yeah. clapping like that got like I think at least over 7,000 retweets. So like, yeah, yeah, I mean, people are really hyped to see this movie. And um, yeah, February 2018 cannot come soon enough. Girl, let's talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) And to that point too, like, yeah, it's nothing but for me personally, um, like, I don't know. It's just, I feel blessed and I'm happy. And for everything that I'm, like, scared about, I'm also really happy about, you know? Yeah, yeah, same here, same here. So we had the chance to interview the beautiful, the one and only Lupita Nyong'o, which was just amazing. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm in the same room as Lupita Nyong'o. She's gorgeous. Um, And, yeah, I I asked her a question about and and this goes back to what you said about being media trained, like she was very good at dodging questions. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not Star Wars training, man. Yeah, it's it's the Star Wars train. Like she didn't even need the sheet in front of her (laughs) as to what (laughs) not to say. Like she she was like, I got this. And, um, you know, her character, she's playing the role of Nakia who is one of the Dora Milaje. And I know a lot about Nakia's story from um, specifically Priest's run of Black Panther. And with having Killmonger in this film, there is a possible story arc to be told about Nakia's allegiance to (laughs) T'Challa. So I kind of 
asked about that, but um, she very nicely dodged the question. And what are you um, talking about? She shut you down, dude. She was just like, <laughs> you would think you were asking about her personal boyfriend. Be like, that is too personal. We're moving on. Like she, she had this moment where she had like a smile on her face when I, you know, was about to ask the question, and then when um, I started kind of going into territory of spoileriness, <laughs> then she kind of was like, mm, you know, kind of her. Her her expression just was sort of like no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna answer that but um but yeah we we do get a lot of really cool feedback from Lapita in this interview and you actually asked her about like songs <laughs> and you were trying to get into some spoiler territory with that and she wasn't having it either I mean just give me a song and she was like nope <laughs> I was like damn son <laughs> yeah no I I'm not gonna lie like every I hate to say it, but, like, every one of them's characters, I feel, mm-hmm. is going to have a big reveal when we're talking about the main cast. And that is just my personal feeling, just based off of how secretive they're being. Mm-hmm. Because if I think of some of the other storylines, like, think of the storyline to Civil War. There's, like, two, maybe three big reveals, if you will, in that, right? Yeah. When you talk about, like, and half of them, if you know the comics, they're pretty easy to tell. If you think about this film... If they talk about some of the stuff from the priest run or even just Black Panther in general from his dynamic and allegiances, and I think that's where you get into that royal intrigue aspect, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like very, you know, WTF moments that we could have in this film. And so I think that's why they're being so careful. Yeah. Yeah. One thing we did learn about uh, Lupita in the film is she's actually doing her own stunts. Yeah. Um, so her fighting style is um, influenced by judo and jujitsu, mm-hmm. um, and I, I can't pronounce this word, but silat and Philippine martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um, so she she goes into that and tells us about how learning these skills were really cool, and that you know she got to jump higher than she thought she could jump and roll back and. Um, I just thought that that was really cool that Lupita is doing mm-hmm. her own stunts. So she she goes 100 in this movie. Yep. And more importantly, though, too, let's talk about it. Like, like we saw like kind of a stunt being played out. And like mm-hmm. when we talk about shows like <clears throat> Iron Fist, where like things don't go well. You're like, well, you have to practice. Like you have to take the time because they're going over it over and over and over again. Like that was the one yeah. scene that we saw was this stunt being like, choreographed staged and then filmed right and they spent the entire day filming probably what will equal up to be a minute and a half on screen Maybe. exactly exactly so yeah she she put in way more training than our boyfriend jones that's for sure <laughs> i still can't believe he really learned those fight sequences like well minutes yeah. before filming <laughs> you know i'm not surprised because it's literally like learning how to dance for him because he's not doing anything. It's like put punch here, punch there, turn here, turn there. But you're playing a martial artist, like how? And as much as I as much as I say like it sucks for him, but they set him up for that failure. That's true. Like, That's true. like, like yeah, he's the actor, but they set him up for that failure and I, the showrunners I think have a lot to do with it. The showrunner for Jessica Jones, like, I remember her, I believe, if this is correct, she was the girl who wrote Twilight. If I'm if I'm not, like, like wrong on that, I will go look it up. And I remember thinking to myself, ooh, this may not be good. 
And then when I found out the guy that ran Dexter was doing Iron Fist, I was like, oh, this may not be good. And all I will say is I think I was proven right on Iron Fist because it has the same problems of like lack of follow through, just starting stuff with no pointer. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. The showrunner determines a lot. That's true. Like, it it determines whether or not something's going to be good, like in my personal opinion. (laughs) That's why I'm not getting excited for the new Mutants series that's coming out, because he's the showrunner behind it. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm not getting excited about that, so we'll see. Or Inhumans. Um, So, yeah, anyway... But um, yeah, Lupita was a delight to talk to, and we were really excited. We did not get a chance to talk to Denai Guerrero, who plays Okoye. Yeah. So it was towards the end of the day, and um, she was still filming a lot of her scenes. So we we wouldn't we weren't able to wait around until she was done because it was pretty much the end of the set visit day. Uh, so unfortunately, Denai, we didn't get a chance to grace her presence, but. Um, or for her presence to be graced upon us, I should say. But yeah, but I think I think based off of the interview that we had with Lupita, we do, and also with Nate Moore, we do learn a lot about Okoye's character as well. Um, and um, um, we're about to, because next we're going to move on to Chadwick, but also Shuri's character. Yeah. Like, she wasn't there either, but she's played by Letitia Williams, is that correct? Letitia Wright. Letitia Wright, yes. sorry, yeah. Letitia Wright, and she's an, a new actress, and she, um, she her character is basically going to be his cue. Like, T'Challa mm-hmm. needs a tech-savvy inventor and that's what she is going to be playing and her role and her character is very much not being bandied about a lot like people are not getting able to talk about what she's able to do yet like so yeah they're keeping her very much under wraps they're keeping her under wraps so when we were on the set visit um the reveal that shuri was going to be in this movie was like whoa i was not expecting to hear that like nate just casually said it and i actually was like wait a second shuri's gonna be in this movie (laughs) um because yeah she's a very prominent character in the black panther universe i mean she at one point became the black panther so to have her in this movie means so much and so much for us as black women um, Mm -hmm. if they decide to do a black panther movie with just shuri i will just I will cry tears of black girl joy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But yeah, you're right. Shuri is actually going to play a very significant role in the movie. Um, You know, we know that she's T'Challa's younger sister and Letitia Wright. She's um, done a lot of work. She's been in Doctor Who, um, a lot of BBC programs. She's an English actress. um, And she was actually um, in Steven Spielberg's film uh, called Ready Player One. It's coming up. Yeah, oh, it's coming, coming up. up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That one hasn't come out yet. That's the um yeah, that's the book adaptation. I was just about to mention that that has Ty Sheridan in it. Okay. Which yeah, this was the guy who um uh, Colossus in the new first class. Like he plays oh, the new yes. Summers. Yeah. Perfect. So and he's I really like him. I love him as a young actor. Like mm-hmm. he he's done a lot of little things. Like there was this movie that he did that nobody saw, which was not really a great movie, but it had some great performances called Dark Places. It was the mm-hmm. 
Jillian, whatever her name is, Jacobs or whatever, the Gone Girl writer, her second book. And mm-hmm. he plays a really good character in that. Like he he plays well. I just feel like he hasn't been cast in enough good roles yet. I'm really hoping Ready Player One is where he finally gets to do something good. And yeah, he's in that with her. But yeah, no, that's going to be a huge film because that film is like that book's People freaking love those books, man. Like, so you're talking about um, Stefan Kapasik is going to be in it? Kapasik? Uh, the Colossus no. and Deadpool. No, no. Col- uh, not Colossus. Cyclops. Oh, Cyclops. Cyclops. Cyclops, okay. Cyclops okay. from X-Men's First Class. I may have said Colossus. No, Cyclops. 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 Okay. All yes. Right. He, Scott Summers is also going to be in Ready Player One. He plays basically the lead. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And um, him and, him and uh, the... Letitia are going to both be in that. Either way, that's going to be a big movie, in my personal opinion, for next year. Yeah, so we'll be seeing her in more than just Black Panther. So I'm very excited yeah. for Letitia's career. And, um, you know, T'Challa's sister, Shuri, she is going to be the head of the design group. Uh, yep. So a lot of what we know in the comics, we will see that here in the movie. Um, she's the head of technology, and she's a teenager. I think... The actress herself is like 22 years old. She's in her early 20s. Um, yeah. But Shuri is a teen in in this film. So I'm just, man, I'm, I'm so excited. Like when he mentioned Shuri was going to be in this, I just was like, what? And I think at CinemaCon, which you attended, Jacqueline, they, yes. they revealed um, that Shuri was going to be in the movie. Because, of course, we knew this already going on the set visit. But um, when they made the announcement at Shuri... Uh, at ShuriCon. Um, <laughs> it was ShuriCon because that was the only be. news that mattered. No, there kidding. should be a ShuriCon. Um, but at CinemaCon, when they revealed all of the cast and we saw Letitia's face and that she was playing Shuri, that was when it was public knowledge at that point that she is, in fact, going to be in Black Panther. Yeah. So we'll talk about it. Been, it would have been nice to have released that exclusive on BGN, but you know, that's all right. <laughs> um, so. So after we talked to Lapita, we talked to Chadwick Boseman, yeah. our lead. So, wow. It, it was just great. to. He was another one that was very coy, and he comes across as very shy to me. Like, he was, yeah, you know, like, shy in his responses. And um, we did bring up the hashtag Black Panther So Lit. Well, you brought it up, Jacqueline. I shouldn't, yeah, girl, I yeah. shouldn't take credit. You, t- Yeah, you totally did. Yeah. And he was, again, one that definitely talked about how, again, like I said, like all the actors that I talked to about it, I felt like they felt a sense of relief about it. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, they don't make this in a vacuum in the sense of like, they're not going to let the Internet tell them what to do. But I think he said I think he was the one that said, you know, hey, on a rough day, checking that hashtag makes it a little bit easier you know what i mean i think he was the one that that mentioned that like you know somebody shows it to me like here you go you know like people are are behind this film and i think that it means more to anything right yeah and and also truth be told the uh crew and one of the disney representatives told us that they look at the hashtag when they're feeling down and that kind of brings them some joy so props to at Chadwick's Chill, I believe is the Twitter handle, uh-huh. um, for creating the Black Panther So Lit hashtag and yep. getting that to trend because you're making an impact. Like the folks yep. behind BP are looking at that tag, the crew, the cast. So it, it, it's a big deal to them. I mean, I don't think that there's ever been a movie that has not finished production that had a trending hashtag behind it. Yes. Yep. Yep. 
And, yeah. and, and a fan created trending yes. hashtag of that, not created by the studio, not created by, um, you know, any of the executives or the producers or the crew, but created by fans and those fans um, allowing that hashtag to trend worldwide uh, like Black Panther So Lit has. So, yeah, no, it's no props to you. It's definitely what's the word I'm looking for. It's definitely not only making an impact, but it's I think it's forever going to be attached with the film, which I think is even more yeah. phenomenal that it's always going to be attached with the film. The thing that you asked him about, though, to c- talk to you about is like, I feel like we kind of tag teamed him <laughs> because <laughs> we did. Yeah, we this is something we've been kind of saving to talk about. But the desexualization of both black women and black men in mainstream media mm-hmm. is a thing and it's the reason why something like american gods that scene that happened in the premiere means so much you know what i mean like the sexualization the desexualization of black people for anything other than to be like these foils or this like exotic thing is awful like is he just going to be able to be another marvel character that has a romantic storyline i mean some people don't like that they have those but at this point, looking at all the other major Marvel characters who have had their own film, for them not to do it in this one, to me, is, like, beyond telling. Like, beyond F you. <laughs> you know, like, for them not to even, like, hint at it. Like, yeah, don't shove it in there and make it bad. But for them not to do it, I think, would be an affront to basically what could be one of the first ones to do that in a a very organic way. So we definitely wanted to ask him about whether or not there's going to be any of that in there. And boy, he was so coy. He he didn't answer our question because I've asked about him, you know, is there going to be a love interest? And no, he didn't mention it because we we haven't heard anything about like Monica Lynn, who was a longtime interest of T'Challa's. And I doubt if we'll see Storm, obviously, because of the Fox, you know, yeah. Marvel conflict. But, yeah, uh, yeah you know, it, it it would be nice to see T'Challa in love, but he, he wouldn't answer that question. So we, we have a question mark on that one until the movie premieres. Um, yeah, and I tried to follow it up with, like... You know, another like I think my question was like, well, since you have all these power for females, can you talk about how they interact with you? He's like, y'all are trying to be tricky. <laughs> so, like, like I tried to trick him into answering it. I was like, yeah. maybe <laughs> he still didn't answer though. He, he still <laughs> didn't answer the question. Um, so yeah, and you know, Chadwick talked to us about the women in this film and that there's no damsels in distress. So all of the women characters are strong with great physical prowess and mental prowess and being very intelligent and savvy. I mean, you've got Angela Bassett in this film. Mm -hmm. Um, So and obviously Lupita and Denai and and Letitia. Uh, So just really excited to see some of these strong women that surround T'Challa and that, uh, you know, they're going to be centered in a lot of ways. Uh, so he made sure to be that very clear and evident that uh, the women in this movie are not going to be marginalized. They're not going to be just these side damsels in distress, that they really have some uh, very prominent roles. So that was good yeah. to hear. No, that's really dope to hear. And, you know, too, like, I think, again, this is his film. But I feel like when he talked about the film, he really made an effort. He was the one, too, that mentioned Shuri. You know what I mean? Like yes. he He made sure to call her out. He very much looks at this as a huge collaboration, even though it's his film and he's the lead. I mean, he just he was the one that was talking about all of the characters and what they bring to it, which I thought was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Chadwick, we love you. (laughs) So after Chadwick was Michael B. Jordan. He was our last interview of the day and it was a fun one. It was an interesting one. So as I mentioned before, there's a sheet of paper that they have to look to to make sure that there are certain things that they do not reveal in Mm -hmm. their interview with us. And he had his paper kind of all balled up in front of him. And every time um, we asked a question, he would look on the paper (laughs) just to make sure. So um, yeah, it it was interesting. And I think there was a moment when after the interview was all said and done, he had left and left the paper up there. And (laughs) we reminded him, like we were the ones that were like, cause I know we all like, we leave our microphones by the the actor speaking so that way everything's recorded and uh-huh. you know me I was like I'm definitely gonna get up real close to Creed because I just want to look at him <laughs> and I was like oh sweetie you left your paper and like the other reporter handed it to him but he was just like he like looked at me like thank you I'm like yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. now what was really interesting too which I don't think he was supposed to do this but he totally did he took off his coat in the interview and yes, revealed his costume to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, Killmonger, the role that he plays in Black Panther, Killmonger is a longtime rival of T'Challa's. Uh, he actually has a costume in this in this uh-huh. film. And Killmonger in the comics is like this shirtless, kind of savage-looking character. So to see him in breastplate armor and shoulder pads, that was a bit of a change from the comics, and it was it was cool to see that. Even though yeah. I would have been okay with him being shirtless, but, you know, that's just me. I feel like they may get that in there. Somehow. We have to. Somewhere. I mean, with that Creed body, we gotta Girl. see. We gotta see it. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I know they will. Just because Ryan, like, yeah, they have to. If we, if they don't, I feel like we have to, like, find him somewhere and be like, <laughs> women want to know. And we're disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and if nothing else, Black Panther 2. So yes, let's make this happen. Yes. We, we got to make that happen. I mean, look, we talk about being true to the comics. We need to be true to the comics and make sure that Killmonger is shirtless through most of this yes. movie. He's already hot. You've achieved half of the goal. <laughs> don't don't mess up on the ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was great to talk to him. I, I had asked him a question about, you know, how he got prepared for this role, because this is something that's not new to him, having uh, a role that is physically demanding or challenging. So I asked him, like, what the difference between working on Creed and getting prepared for that role physically and how it was for um, Black Panther. And, you know, he said there wasn't really much of a difference between the two. Um, yeah. So, you know, he's a pro at hitting the gym and, you know, getting himself all physically ready for a role um but it it was really cool to to see how his reactions to um some of our questions were because <laughs> he kept looking at that sheet of paper like okay yes. what am i supposed to say <laughs> yes and i will admit this though too so on his for him uh, i'm not gonna name any names but someone stole my question that because i had throughout the day been asking everyone about the social media mm-hmm. and on the, on him someone else asked the question I'm like fine as long as the question gets asked I don't mind even though you copied me it's cool um, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding that's so me joking um, but he mentioned and it's kind of some shade to Fantastic Four where he was like you know it's better than previous reactions because if you recall like that's exactly what happened to him he gets announced 
for Fantastic Four that he's playing Johnny Storm and like mm-hmm. nerd bros lose their their like white mind, you know? And so now he gets to be on the opposite side where he gets announced to be in a film and it's overwhelmingly positive. And I think for an actor, regardless, again, he's not going to let people get him down mm-hmm. as far as how he performs. But that right there, I think, tells you the difference of how you can approach the film then, right? Because it's like, imagine how you're starting it versus the other way around. Imagine right. being on set for six months knowing that every there's a, a huge segment that is predicting and expecting you to fail versus a huge segment that's looking at you like, we are so happy you're doing this and we can't wait to see what amazing things you're going to do. Right. Totally changes your motivation, don't you think? I mean, they're both pressure filled Mm -hmm. it's not like either one isn't but i do think it puts a different tone to it i mean that's at least i would you know yeah yeah i completely agree so i mean overall like this was just a really great opportunity for us as press to kind of dive in a little bit into the work of black panther and um to just be able to engage with all of these fantastic talents from the crew to the cast and it, it was a great time um, so I hope that all of you guys really got a lot out of our, our podcast because it was just fun to relive these moments um, on the set visit and uh, look for some articles on BGN as well as on blackfilm.com about Black Panther. Uh, we'll also be um, launching the interviews from that set visit. So you'll get to hear the voices of Lupita and Den- um, well, not deny. Lupita and Michael and Chadwick and all the rest to talk about their thoughts and feelings about it. So you'll get to actually hear what we've discussed in this podcast um, on their interviews. And Jacqueline, thank you. This was fantastic. It was super fun. I just wish the movie was out tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least get us to Comic-Con so I can get another taste because I'm hoping they'll have at least a trailer by then. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully there'll be a trailer reveal and... um... I hope that the cast come back. I don't know, but I want to see them again. <laughs> I want to hang out with you guys. Yeah, I think they will. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it into the universe's positive thought that it will, and then we'll just hope for the best. I hope for the best. So stay <laughs> tuned for more from Black Girl Nerds and and our our you know our fellow um, publication blackfilm.com Wilson Morales runs that and he's a good friend of BGN so stay tuned to all of our coverage on Black Panther in the months to come and thank you guys for listening appreciate it bye that was a HeadGum Podcast <laughs> <laughs>